0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com.
1: Welcome to Wall Daily. Uh, My name is Paul Copeland, and today I'm joined by Hody uh, Johns of the research team, uh, and we're going to be answering yet another tough question. Hody, how are you? Doing great, Paul. Thank you for asking. Uh,
0: Excited to be here, another episode with you, and uh, we got an even tougher question on our hands than last time.
1: Yeah, it's a—it's uh, one of those difficult things to answer from a libertarian perspective. Uh, who will take care of the kids? How will we protect them? Or as you put it,
0: how do we save these kids? <laughs> uh, yeah. I am... I, I believe there's multiple libertarian solution, liberty minded solutions on this one. And I love the question because it's important because I think if the government's going to exist at all, this is one of the reasons they've got to, exi- got to exist is to, to protect innocent people from being damaged.
1: Yeah. And who among us is more innocent than the kids?
0: Uh, absolutely absolutely so i mean let's just start off with a few first of all what are we protecting them from and i'm just going to throw like a, a a few like questions your way and i want to see what you think so if we talk about something like circumcision or corporal punishment or tattoos and ear piercings is that something that we should be protecting kids from? Is that something that's a matter of personal opinion or,
1: uh, you know, I'm going to take a, uh, little bit of a unexpected. There, there is a question here, uh, about where you draw the line. Okay. And, uh, I'm going to have to say, I draw the line somewhere between, uh, circumcision spanking on the, the lane where we should perhaps have some intervention. And uh, my personal line falls between those and ear piercings and uh, forcing kids to wear helmets.
0: So, what, what then would you say we do? Because you, you say your personal line, and I've got my personal line. What happens if those lines don't sync up? Like, what, how do we come to a consensus? opinion then to say, okay, the government's got to intervene. If you say, you know, let's say forcing your kid to wear a helmet is, is dumb. And I think that you should be forced to have your kid wear a helmet. Otherwise he'd get hurt. Do we just let the majority decide or or in a libertarian world? How would we, how do we uh, rationalize that difference?
1: Right. And there has to be a form of test. There has to be a test for it. The same way the Supreme Court uh, creates tests in order to see if something is constitutional or not, I think a very good, mo- a good way for the Libertarian Society to go would be to form some sort of rational test that allows us to decide whether or not an action or a lack of action uh, would violate the rights of the child.
0: Yeah. And I agree with you. And I think it's something that our current society really doesn't even have a good definition of. As well as, and and not to throw libertarians into the bus here, but maybe it's something that we do need to consider. You know, we've got the non-aggression principle for kids. But what, if, like in the case of helmets or, you know, letting your kid play on a railroad track or in the street. Have, at what point we place them in a situation where they will likely be harmed or have a an, a significantly increased chance to be harmed. You know, I think that it is still so I, I think I would agree with you that there needs to be some type of test or some type of saying, I think maybe even uh, minors should be able to get their own constitutional rights until they become adults to at least know what what we have an obligation to protect them from. Um, if we're going to have, of course, this is assuming some type of government involved uh, right. that we should have something that protects them. But I think it's one of those that's so case by case, maybe it's something that like, we should be able to have a jury decide as opposed to what we do currently, which is have a single entity say you've placed your kid in danger, you know, child protective services decided and we're taking it away. I think it might be something like best
1: left up to a jury peers. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. The, uh, Especially. There does Sorry. need to be both a rational test and it needs to be something where an honest dis- an honest dispute can be settled. Uh, say I'm accused of neglecting my children and I have an express set of due process rights to dispute that, which, uh, as we'll get into here shortly... Uh, does seem to be lacking in our current approach to managing the rights of children.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this is one where we're, we're going to come to kind of different conclusions, depending on what kind of libertarian you are. Uh, Paul, I like you. And I got to say, I don't even know which one you fall more into. Um, You've got the minarchist and the anarchist differences here. So the minarchist is going to say, this is a time when we would favor interference, like on the government level. Um, There's still going to be some reform that needs to happen, which we will get to in just a second here. What do you think happens in, like, an anarchist system? Because I've got, like, some ideas. And every anarchist that I've heard talk about this type of situation still talks about some type of, like, agreed-upon justice board that would analyze it situation by situation. And it seems rather, I guess almost like a government itself. So like, what's the difference? How would you, how would you phrase that?
1: Yeah. So this is one of those issues, uh, that caused me to move away from pure hardline anarchy. When I spent time actually thinking through and digesting the, uh, issue here. Okay. Um, and you're absolutely right. Uh, many of the anarchist solutions, uh, do essentially form some form of government in which the community can prevent you from harming your child. I've also, uh, heard various justifications that do not sit well with me. Uh, essentially, uh, one anarchist solution that I have heard proposed is that we treat the children as property until, they are of such an age where they can use reason and give consent and all sorts of other things. And I, I think you would agree that there are some disturbing implications of that. Very. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that to me is not a satisfactory answer. Um, Uh -uh. and another proposal that I've heard, uh, thrown about is that there would be a form of insurance that would basically step in, uh, provide resources and prevent harm from coming to the child and to me at that point I have to wonder uh, who's going to pay for that insurance, you know, what is that structure going to be like, but more because, importantly because oh, taxation is theft, right? I mean, <laughs> right, right so it's not going to be in an anarchist society provided through a tax base. Right. So then the parents of the children are going to be the ones paying into it. Yeah. But if you are a parent who's irresponsible and abusive enough to not provide for your child, uh, how are you, why would you be paying into an insurance scheme of any sort? You're already neglecting this child. It's just another expense to not pay into.
0: Yeah. And in fairness to any ANCAPS listening to this episode, I I I am not against the idea that that people would voluntarily say, hey, we still want to protect our kids. Let's all band together and voluntarily form a a system in which that that we can still protect the kids i understand that most people consider child abuse monstrous uh we're just asking these questions as something maybe you have an answer to uh or something that because we're talking about tough questions for libertarians something that you just kind of want to flesh out a little bit and if you if you're an anarcho-capitalist and you believe that you know Paul and I are mistaken about like what the judicial system would look like as far as protecting kids you know feel free to contact us on Facebook comment in the in the group um, we have a link on discord on the uh, Facebook we're libertarians page and join us on discord Paul and I are both active on it
1: so uh yeah feel free to correct us we're not just because this is a blind spot issue for me from an anarchist perspective doesn't mean that I don't want to be corrected or shown another path.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's, let's, let me talk about the current system and why it's an abysmal failure. Now there is a Ted talk on this, which I think is fantastic from Molly McGrath Tierney. She is a, um, child welfare specialist. She actually like took one of the worst, um, one of the worst child protective service programs in Baltimore, and we're going and she turned it into one of the best ones. And I think she might 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 not be a libertarian herself, but the the solutions that she proposed were, were pretty cool. But let me have her words describe what one of the problems is. Child welfare is an industry and industries are self-protecting protecting ecosystems. Think about it. The only time the federal government pays me is when I take somebody's kid. And as soon as the kids in foster care, they instantly become a commodity. And the industry starts to wrap around doctors, lawyers, judges, social workers, advocates, whole whole organizations. The industry is committed to this intervention. This taking other people's children because that's what it needs to survive. And it's on autopilot and it's going to do whatever it has to do to stay alive. And this industry to stay alive needs other people's children. So there's an incentive. This is my voice now. So there's an incentive to take these kids. And especially when we're in a monopoly on this, right? There's only one government-sanctioned child protective services. That's that's frightening.
1: Yeah. Um, As we've covered in other episodes uh, of the cost on this network, um, incentives are... Tricky things to match from a government perspective. You create systems where the best incentive is to remain silent because it doesn't place you in danger as an individual within the system, or you have an incentive to go out and take more children for increasingly minor offenses that the parents commit, uh, in order to justify your existence as an industry
0: and it is something that unfortunately has come to fruition uh it's there's a lot of libertarians like what if the government did that right and those are fair fears the problem with this is the government is doing this like they are making these missteps and making these problems i have linked some studies in the show notes i encourage you to check them out i have way too many to go over specifically so let me i mean just glancing over this We've got documented legal cases where a doctor lied about a medical problem to take a child away. We've got one where a mom was forced to move out of her home before she could have supervised contact with a child just during an investigation that eventually yielded that she was doing nothing. Uh, We have a child removed from a responsible father for 22 days, again, to have the report find nothing wrong. Um, And just last week, this made the headlines, or I I think it might have been two weeks ago at this point. Uh, a child was taken for 10 days because the mother believed her first doctor when the child said, oh, it's just – when they said the child just had a cough. And she was deemed irresponsible for not getting a second opinion. Now, of course, you know, she took legal action and fi- finally had it overturned. But we are in this world right now where they're taking these kids – They're saying, oh, okay, I guess you didn't do anything wrong. Sorry I made you move out of your house. Sorry I separated you from your child for a few weeks. You know, that's doing significant damage to the child and the family and not not making amends for it. I mean, this is a terrible system currently.
1: Yeah, and, you know, there are hundreds of cases, uh, some of which make the rounds in libertarian circles of you know, just absolutely absurd reasons for an investigation to be launched, like letting children walk two blocks away from the house by themselves to a park in the neighborhood. Yep. You know, things that you and I, in our generation, we would have taken for granted. I mean, you mentioned earlier a possible neglectful situation of playing in the streets. Well, you know, I have friends who played in the middle of, what would be busy roads in the middle of the night with no reflective clothing on at all yeah. and they just sat there and played in the streets brought a table out and sat it up to play a game and those parents aren't abusive
0: they no <laughs> they they're just letting their kids be kids and have fun and i don't i it's one of those things where we say, we can go case by case right and just say oh is this like street too busy was this a little bit dangerous but most of these stories where these kids are taken away in front of a jury 12 out of 12 jurors would say yeah that mom didn't do anything wrong you know at the very least 11 out of 12 would say yeah that father was just he was taking care of his kid just
1: fine right and, but the problem is that family court doesn't operate on the same protections of due process exactly
0: I, I mean, and, and like Tierney says, I mean, we're talking judges and lawyers that are part of this system that have an incentive to rule the other way. So you're not getting a jury of your peers, and 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 you are you have to just hope that a judge who is incentivized to keep this kid in the system sees it your way. We're lucky we even have as many cases as we do now, where judges like this was ridiculous. Um. I'm going to read this one statement, which made me almost put my fist through my computer when I read it. But this is the Child Protective Services response to that case two weeks ago. It is always a hard situation when courts or county social workers remove children from their parents' custody. These very difficult decisions are not made lightly and are always made in the best interest of the children involved. If families don't cooperate, it is even more difficult. So the mom, who was, I guess, belligerent when she wanted her child back after 10 days, made it really difficult on the government. That was just really hard on them. And, you know, the, we just need to be more cooperative when they want to take our child away because we don't use two doctors to diagnose a cough instead of just one. And, and these decisions aren't made lightly, and they're always in the best interest of the child. Like, baloney. <laughs> it just makes me furious. Like, I can't even imagine not having the introspection to say, We screwed this one up. We're glad that she got united with her child. We made a mistake on this one. They won't even do that. They'll say, Man, I can't believe she, like, acted up when we stole her child for no reason. <laughs> oh. Yeah.
1: And, you know, this, this, overzealousness by the system uh, creates a situation where legitimate cases where the children do need to be removed, do not get the due diligence that they deserve. Uh, Something that I'm planning here in the future, I'm going to talk to a foster family who are no longer involved in the foster system because of basically the system throwing up their hands and giving in to a parent that probably should have more scrutiny on them because of their actions but you know they've driven a good family out of out of the foster system in favor of you know a belligerent family maybe the family is justified I don't know the case super well, and that's why I'm going to talk to this family more. But you know, that'll be awesome when you do. I mean, because these, I, 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 yeah, you know, these cases that you know you do see cases where the child is returned to the parents' custody and they're harmed. Then, well, why were they returned? Because the system is overburdened, and because we don't have the investigative powers to actually focus on cases where they're needed
0: yeah Uh, for the sake of time and i just yeah like 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 we said earlier please get a hold of paul or i if you're interested or you know paul i guess if you're interested in the in how that works out the story with him and his foster family i'm sure he'll he'll tell us on facebook at the very least or maybe we'll do an episode on it or something but uh i'm interested to see what their experiences are like, because I think I'm, I I came at this story from the perspective of the kids and not so much the parents. Now you've got a story here that I wanted to make sure we get to before we had to wrap up the story of like Alexandria Hill. If you want to give us a synopsis on that story, I think it's just another one of those that shows government intervention can be.
1: So yeah, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about the harm that a family faces when they're put through the system. Uh, and you know, it's, it's terrible for the family to be torn apart like that. But in a lot of cases we're seeing, uh, here more and more frequently, unfortunately, families will have their children removed and while in the system, uh, even greater harm than was even suspected happens to the child, uh. Alexandria Hill is just one such case. A two-year-old girl who was removed from her family. uh, And during her removal, uh, the foster mother of the second house that she was placed into uh, slammed her head against the floor of the home and caused the young girl's death due to hemorrhaging. Uh, And the reason she was in foster care in the first place, uh, is because her father, uh, admitted to child welfare investigators that he smoked marijuana after the child was asleep in bed. And the mother was not deemed responsible enough for, to take care of the child because she had frequent seizures.
0: <sighs> yeah. It's almost impossible to believe that there are humans doing this in this system. Because nobody... Again, jury at 12, nobody would take that, that child away. Yeah. But the incentive's there. And so you see humans do inhuman things. And yeah. in this case, they gotta wake up in the morning and find out they killed a kid.
1: Yeah, and... You know, the Houston press did an investigation into the uh foster home, uh a Miss Cheryl Small and her husband, uh, Clemens Small, and it revealed that in a sick twist of irony, uh Clemens Small had a criminal history, including multiple drug charges for marijuana. And <laughs> he reported on the chill on the foster care application. He described himself as a recovering crack cocaine addict. Now I'm not going to attack somebody after over their life path. And if he was recovering, that is very good for him. But to remove a child from a home because of marijuana use and put them in another home with a history of marijuana use I fail to see how this is serving the interest of a child at all
0: you took it from one marijuana user gave it to another marijuana user who also was trying to recover from crack and you took it from a family that has a natural incentive to love their child and gave it to a family that has no incentive to love that child and in fact murdered the child
1: Uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And uh, as reported by Reason, uh, and this study's linked in the show notes, um, statistics on child abuse in foster care, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, are hard to come by. Uh, But children in the foster care may be up to 10 times more likely to die than children in the care of their own parents. One estimate places the number of children who die in the foster care in the system in the U.S. at about 1,540 yearly. I think that's the crux of this argument here.
0: The, we as libertarians are not arguing to do nothing because we don't care. I, I think that our intervention might sometimes be necessary. But if what we're doing now as stated by Paul and backed by his study, we are 10 times more likely to murder that child, getting them out of a bad situation than leaving them in it. And if that's not just government effectiveness in a nutshell, I'm not sure what is. Now, we're winding down on time. And so I do want to get to our final thoughts here. And <clears throat> I'm going to let um, Tierney, I'm going I'm to let part of her TED Talk be my final thoughts here, because I think it really sums it up here. Yeah. She says I came to Baltimore back when the agency was run uh, uh, back when the agency I run was now, was considered among the worst in the country. But I just knew I could make it work. And we had a good run. Over a 5-year period, we reduced the number of children in foster care by 58%. We reduced the number of kids living in org- orphanages by 89%. We increased adoptions by 59%. We increased the number of kids that left foster care um left foster care for families by 47%, and we paid all our bills on time. This dismantling of families, it has enormous consequences. Kids that grow up outside of families, they don't master the things that can only be learned in that context, like who to trust, how to love, and how to take care of yourself. And that frankly does more damage than the abuse and neglect that brought the kid to my attention in the first place. And that's when I understood the reason child welfare isn't working is because there are children in foster care. It's not the government's doing it badly. It's that foster care is a bad idea. The error is in the intervention. That's the end of her, her statement. And I just, it's one of those things that when we looked into this, I, I came to understand that she's right. Now, what her agency did, it wasn't – she kept – she still had the foster care system, but kept it into very rare circumstances, very extreme circumstances, and made it a goal to unite the kid back with the family after getting that family some help. And if at all possible, give it, getting that family help before things became bad. And that was cheaper than taking the kid away and putting them in the system. And I think effectively proving that is really kind of our libertarian answer. We keep it rare, we make sure it's effective, we keep it transparent, we make it efficient, we make it less expensive, and we treat the actual problem as opposed to develop an ineffective government system. So, Paul, you've got the rest of the time, man.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't have much more to add. Um, parents out there, just keep your kids a big hug. <laughs> Tell them you love them. And, you know, hopefully in our lifetimes, we can fix the system so that less kids are harmed.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us Thank you guys. It was, it was great talking with you, Paul. Great talking to you. Have a good day.